Want to help your teachers save over 10 hours per week? Introduce them to School AI. It's not just a tool, it's a partner in the classroom. With School AI, teachers can plan courses in minutes, get real-time learning data, and provide one-on-one -on -one tutoring. Plus, it's free for teachers. Visit schoolai.com today. School AI, the classroom operating system of the future. That's schoolai.com. Focal Point K-12 is an innovative tool that helps teachers and students manage student portfolios. It provides a digital portfolio for students to store their work, set and track their own learning goals, and earn credentials and industry certifications. The platform also uses blockchain technology to ensure the security and safety of student data. Teachers can use Focal Point K-12's real-time dashboards to track student progress and save time with AI-assisted scoring. To learn more, visit focalpoint.education. Principles. Research shouldn't be a maze for students. Scribble offers a unified platform streaming the research and writing process. It integrates with major educational tools, ensures authentic student work, and provides educators with real-time insights. Elevate your school's academic rigor. Learn more at scribble.com. That's S-C-R-I-B-L-E.com. Welcome to Transformative Principles, where I help you stop putting out fires and start leading. I'm your host, Jethro Jones. You can follow me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. Welcome to the Transformative Principle podcast. This is part of the Summer of AI series that we're doing on the show, and it is brought to you by AIleader.info where you can learn all about AI specifically in a place designed for educators through three-minute masterclasses. For more information about that, go to AIleader.info. Today, I'm excited to have on the program Emily Garcia, who is a primary educator, a passionate advocate for quality education, and a visionary entrepreneur. With her unwavering commitment to revolutionize the educational landscape, Emily has made a significant impact by founding Education to the Core, an organization that has served over 500,000 classrooms worldwide. That's pretty amazing. Emily, welcome to Transformative Principle. Thank you for having me, Jethro. I really appreciate it. Tell us just a little bit more about what Education to the Core does that has impacted so many classrooms. Sure. We were founded in 2012, and since then, we have built our library of resources. We've got about 16,000 resources. Like you said, we've served over a half a million classrooms at this point. Um, and I think the great part about our community is our teachers go to us for things that actually work for things that move the needle, that close that achievement gap. And the best part about our staff at Education of the Core is that we are seasoned teachers who have that classroom experience, and they're the ones creating and researching the materials, coming up with the ideas, the professional development, and ultimately serving primary teachers around the world. Yeah, very good. And we're going to talk all about the primary grades here on the podcast today. What was your big takeaway from our conversation that you think people should look forward to? You know, Jethro, it was really interesting chatting with you about AI. It's very clear that um, 
you've got a wealth of information and you're definitely wanting to fully embrace AI in K-12 education. And I took so many great things away from the podcast. It was ultimately what I had learned is that it's a mix of using what's best for kids and whether that's the human part or the AI part um, and helping teachers to understand when they need to come into the classroom and have that human piece and then when to let go and let the AI ultimately serve students and make their lives easier and more efficient. Yeah, I liked our conversation also. And although I may come across as thinking that everybody should adopt AI, I actually don't believe that. I think that we need to be much more selective in what we're doing and how we're doing it than I often portray. And so I hope that as people are listening to our conversation today, that they will think about what adopting it looks like and that they'll be smart about it and make wise decisions around it rather than thinking just because it exists that we should bring it in because that is not what I believe. And I think that we need to be exceptionally wise in how we're adopting it, especially as it relates to young kids and what they're being exposed to. We didn't get into a lot of things around data and tracking and privacy and all that kind of stuff that I have really strong feelings about, and it just wasn't appropriate to do it. But one of the things that I think you said that I thought was really valuable is when you said, with no teacher, there is no community. Mm -hmm. And I just think that that is such an important part of what we're trying to do in education, especially at the younger ages, that education is more than about teaching them to read and write um, and do math, but those are still key skills that they have to learn and that we have to put time and energy and emphasis on in order for them to find success. So really a fascinating conversation. And Emily, I appreciate you being here and talking about it. And we'll get to this interview with Emily in just a moment. Time is a precious commodity. As a principal, you know this all too well. Between lesson planning, grading, and providing personalized feedback, the hours in a day can quickly disappear. What if you could help your teachers get some of that time back? Introducing School AI. School AI is not just a tool, it's your teacher's partner in the classroom. Help your teachers save over 10 hours a week on busy work, allowing them to focus on what they do best, teaching. With School AI, teachers can plan courses in minutes, get real-time data on learning, and even provide one-on-one tutoring for every student. School AI also provides a FERPA-compliant chat GPT experience. But that's not all. School AI's co-teacher feature is like a personal assistant, adapting daily lessons to student interests, checking for understanding, and even automating parent communication. And the best part, it's free for teachers. So if you're ready to reclaim your time and transform your school with the power of AI, Visit schoolai.com today. School AI, the classroom operating system of the future. Visit them at schoolai.com. Well, Emily, tell us why. I mean, here's my thought. Okay, let me just put this out there. If the science of reading is settled and we know how kids need to learn how to read, why are we even wasting time sending them to a human being when we could just put them in front of a computer and have them learn in a scientific way, how to read right from the word go. 
I think that's a really great question, Jethro. And I think when it comes to the science of reading, you know, a lot of people see it as, okay, we've got the answer. Let's figure this out. Let's, let's just do what works, right? But we kind of look at the science of reading as the ever-growing converging body of documented scientific evidence on what works for literacy instruction. So if it's science and we're documenting, we're taking 50 to 60 years worth of research, right? It's growing. It's a body of information that we can reference. So it may change and it may continue to evolve, but scientifically we're looking at what works. So we're continuing to find more and more layers of what is working. So we're not there. We don't wanna just say, oh, science of reading fixed everything. It's continuing to look at reading, especially in the primary grades, like a scientist. Okay, so what does that mean then? Because it sounds like from the media that we know how to teach kids to read and we should just follow this proven process and then we don't have to worry about it anymore. So when I think about science of reading and what it looks like in a classroom, it's systemic and explicit phonics-based instruction. It's looking at high-frequency words and saying that they're mostly decodable. It's engaging the multi-senses. It's looking at word mapping techniques. And then of course you've got the decodable texts, which is huge. And those are used in small groups specifically for the most benefit. But if you're asking AI to create these lessons and to create some of these materials, it simply cannot. It cannot right now. And I'm not saying that down the road we can program it to be able to do that. But right now, there's just too many factors. And being a kindergarten, first and second grade teacher, it is so highly technical. So, you know, for example, was is not a CBC word. AI right now cannot detect that. They also can't take. So when you really look at true decodable booklets, they are supposed to progress, right? So no words are introduced before they're supposed to be. So you might start with short vowels, right? So every single word in that book should be front-loaded as a high-frequency word. And then some of the CVC words can be in that book. Now, you might go into the next part of that program and it might be blends. So the only words that are able to be in that blends book are ones that have already been introduced or ones that are decodable based on the rules that you already taught. So there shouldn't be words that are in that book that haven't been introduced. So let's just say you have the word through in your blend book, but you haven't introduced that. That's that's where things get really highly technical. And that's something that chat GPT can't handle especially as you go down the progression of the decodable books and you get into three letter blends and, you know, um, S spell Z and all of that, like you, it just can't handle a scope and sequence that large. Um, so that's kind of where some of the things you might be able to say, give me 20 high frequency words that are decodable. It might be able to handle that, but as far as taking large pieces of a scope and sequence and writing it a codable, and believe me, Jethro, we tried. <laughs> it just, it can't do it yet. 
And that's not to say that I don't believe that it'll ever be able to happen, but it's extremely complex when you look at the big giant matrix that make up a decodable series. And that not only goes for us, but that's for any decodable yeah. series. So, yeah. so it sounds like right now, the challenges, the complexity and the depth of what a, a scope and sequence would look like, right? And so that is an issue that is going to be overcome with time and advancements in technology. So let's say, for example, and in case people don't understand, let's define a couple things real quick. Chat GPT and other things like that use large language models to help them predict what word they think should go next in in their whatever they're creating. And so it really is a very sophisticated predictive text kind of a thing. And so in normal speech, they're going to predict what comes next. In a curriculum for early readers, they're going to not understand the context of that. And so they're going to predict what they think would come next in a regular conversation. And so if we train it on the scope and sequence, for example, then they will know we're not allowed to introduce this word until this particular point. And so that is a training issue that is going to be overcome. So if that is going to be overcome eventually, and probably sooner than we think, in fact, I bet there's somebody out there right now who's making this exact thing and training a large language model to do specifically this for the purpose of teaching it to early readers. And so right. if that is the case, then eventually the AI is going to be capable of understanding the context and the complexity and the technicality of creating this. And at that point, is it going to be okay for the AI to take over teaching this or do we still need the teachers? We absolutely still need the teachers. I think for me, that's a no brainer. You know, I think they need that immediate feedback and obviously there's a lot of input and output going on and that multi-sensory integration when it comes to learning reading. Sure, you could have a child learn to read from a screen and it gives that immediate feedback. But I also think there's a lot of value in partner reading and troubleshooting together from a human standpoint on how do we attack this word or let's use our strategies to figure out how to read the rest of this sentence and having the teacher there, especially in small groups is crucial. Even if you can get an AI model to write the text, well, what about the pictures, right? Like how much work are the teachers actually going to have to go through to put all this information in? I would imagine right now, if I started putting in our scope and sequence, it's over a hundred pages and that is the part that's human, right? So I don't know if it would be everything that the teachers need. I think it would waste a lot of their time. Perhaps a center could input some of this stuff. Um, but if I was a first grade teacher on the front lines, I would not have the time to input all of these rules to an AI generator. And then we have to look at, we already mentioned illustrations and clip art and things that help our students to understand and make meaning to the text. That clip art though, does it support equity? 
diversity and cultural inclusion. And we're not talking just race and being inclusive in that way. We're talking, we've got neurodivergent children. We have multi-ability children. You know, is it representing in that way? Right now, AI cannot possibly do that. Now we have formatting as well. So how are the teachers going to be printing some of this stuff as efficiently as possible? Can the AI know, okay, I want you to print it front to back so that all the teachers have to do is, you know, take a paper cutter, cut it and staple it on the side. That's something to consider too, because maybe it generates the booklet, but is it going to be formatted in the most efficient way? If I have to make 22 copies or more, for my class, that's also something that could suck my time. Yeah, those are all overcomable problems, right? And those are all things that we can teach the AI to create things in a specific format, in a specific way. And it still doesn't get down to that core question. Well, let me go back. One thing does is the human standpoint of like, how do we attack this word? An AI could definitely do that if we taught it that that's what it needs to do. Um, I saw an example of of one that was teaching a math concept a couple of days ago, and it was really impressive how it taught that specific thing because where I would have felt myself getting stuck if I didn't already understand the concept, it took the right amount of why don't you try this on your own? And then I'll ask you questions kind of approach, which I thought was a really nice way for it to help me ramp up to where I was capable of doing something. So those things are overcomable. What are the human stamp, the human perspectives that you think the AI, and this is a dangerous question. I apologize for asking it, but <laughs> what are the things that you think the AI will never be able to do, no matter how well we program it. And what are your thoughts on those things that we absolutely must have teachers there for? Because that's what, that's the gift they bring. There's so many ways that you can go. Teachers are amazing, you know, and I come from the thought that you're never going to be able to replace teachers with an AI or a bot. I know that there's many programs out there and learning programs that students are learning from an iPad. I hesitate with this because there's so much of that instant gratification and whether it's a game or it, it might give a false sense of control. I think that truly the best way of instruction is with a teacher in a classroom. We found through COVID when we had to wear masks, for example, that students weren't able to hear us because they weren't able to see the articulation in, in our mouth. And it was incredibly difficult to teach phonics that way. And they found all sorts of different ways to have the clear masks. And you realize how important it is for them to see that, for that to be modeled for them so that they know where the placement of their tongue is, where some of these sounds, how we create some of them. And when the masks came off, teachers were immediately relieved because it was like, oh my gosh, I didn't know how I was supposed to teach that, right? So there's that piece. And then you have like the classroom management piece. So what are we talking about? Are we talking about one-to-one -one instruction in front of a computer? I mean, 
teachers have to be there to help to make sure the classroom runs smoothly. If you just allow kids to go in without a teacher, I mean, they would literally have to be plugged in to an iPad all day with no interaction because if there's no teacher, there's no community. There's no reinforcement. There's no discipline. Um, it would just be incredibly difficult. And we know that students go home and they're on their devices all the time. So coming into the classroom, if we're going to continue that screen time, I just think that students would really miss out on a huge social piece that I think is diminishing in our society. Yeah, I think those are valid concerns. I, I think the thing that was powerful for me and what you said is that when there's no teacher, there's no community. Talk more about that. What do you mean there? Picture this, a student drowning in tabs, tools, and notes, struggling to piece together a research project. Sounds familiar, right? Now, imagine all of that streamlined under one roof. That's Scribble. Scribble is more than just a tool. It's a game changer. Students can curate, annotate, cite, and write all in one place. Collaborative annotations? Check. Automatic citations? Check. Real-time feedback for educators? You bet. And the best part is it's not just about making tasks easier, about freeing up time for higher-level learning and critical thinking. Are you worried about AI plagiarism? With Scribble, students show their authentic work process, making it genuine and credible. And I mentioned it won the Soup's Choice Award for College and Career Readiness. So if you're ready to transform the way your school approaches research and writing, head over to scribble.com and see the magic for yourself. That's S-C-R-I-B-L-E.com. A teacher can truly make a huge impact on a school year, uh, man. Every, I mean, I would go into classrooms and you could tell the teachers that were really effective and when it comes to fostering classroom community, that classroom management piece was very strong. And you could tell when it wasn't so strong. You could just cut that stress in the room with a knife. And I think having that classroom community, it's so important because if students are not able to regulate and foster friendships and learn those social cues, it's very difficult for them to learn. I think sometimes teaching methods is the easy part. It's the classroom management piece that um, becomes very difficult. Um, but once mastered, students will thrive if they feel safe, if they feel loved, if there is a community where they feel seen and heard. I feel like you don't have to be great at teaching the methods. As long as you have the classroom community, they're able to absorb more of what you have to say. If you are great with teaching methods and you don't have classroom management, they're not going to get anything from that teacher. I definitely think that there's benefits into having a community within a classroom. And for a lot of my students, it was the best part of their day. Yeah. And this, this brings up something that I have railed on again and again in this podcast, that if the computer can't do it better, then let the computer do it better. But we're not here to just teach content to students. Um, and I've said this on the podcast before, but I think it bears repeating here that I used to live in Russia and in Russian, there's a way that you talk about teaching kids things. And the way that you say it is the same as, I guess I'll call it, it's very field trip based. So when you teach kids something in Russian, in the language, I'm saying this is the key. 
you teach those kids to that thing, which conjures in your mind the image of you take a group of children to mathematics or to reading or to science rather than how we say it in English, which is that I teach math or reading or whatever to kids. You take that content to kids. And the way that you say it in Russian is you say, I take the kids to that content. And I think that in this situation, our language is limiting as well as our system of schools, because what we put the emphasis on is the academic learnings and the things that we are trying to teach to kids, rather than the emphasis being on the kids and taking them to those places so that they can learn something. Now, they still have classrooms just like they do here in America. It's very similar in that regard. In fact, in some ways, it's even more focused on the content. But the language, when I understood what the language means about how they teach, nobody ever, there ever says that they are a that they are a 10th grade math teacher. That's not a thing. Everybody says, I teach kids to 10th grade math. And it uses the same language that you would use to say you pick these kids up and you carry them over to that content area. And I just think that is so powerful because that's really what I think we need to be focusing on as you were talking about having this classroom community, that that is the value. If the point is just to teach kids things and teach them different topics and have them be successful in those topics, then I do think we should probably have AI do it because it can probably do it better than us. But our job in education, in my belief, is to teach them to be well-adapted, successful in their own definition, adults, not to teach them just the content. And so there are a lot of other things that go into it. How would you respond to that, Emily? You know, I think that's where I side with AI in regards to using it in the classroom. So can it write decodables? No. Do I think it'll ever be able to do? I really don't. However, primary classrooms, like primary teachers can use AI to build an anticipatory set, right? Like I'm teaching about, or let's just say I'm bringing my students to whatever. And they might not be able to actually go to the place. They might not be able to actually go do the thing due to lack of funds or whatever the issue might be here in the United States, but they can build a really amazing anticipatory set that gets the students really, it gets their buy-in. And then they might say, give me four places where we can visit virtually throughout the course of this unit, right? And then the AI can say, why don't you go to whatever it might be, these four places. And then the teacher, that's where the human part comes in though. They have to connect everything where the AI may not be able to connect at that moment, or it might be able to, but I think the teacher also has to know what to give the AI, what prompt, whether it be chat GPT for me, I can yield an amazing result, but I have to be literate in AI in order to get that result. I'll just leave it at that. Um, Does that help to answer your question? Yeah. I mean, that's a whole different discussion, right? That teachers have to be literate in AI to get the AI to give them 
what they need. And you can have two people tell the AI, this is what I want you to do and get two very different results based on how they enter that information in. And this is, again, it's one thing to know how to write well, but then to know how to communicate well is a different conversation and know how to communicate with a human is different than communicating with a piece of artificial intelligence. And I would not talk to you the same way that I would talk to a piece of artificial intelligence software to get it to do what I want in the same way that I would try to get you to do what I would want you to do, right? Ugh, that was yeah, a little yeah. tongue twistery for me. But, um, <laughs> yeah. So I think that that piece is really vital to understand, like, what is it that we are trying to do? Now, based on a lot of the things that you said, I disagree. I think that AI will be able to do all the things that you think that it can't yet. I, I think it will be able to do it very soon. But my real question is, is that really all that there is to teaching one? And two, is that all that we want kids to get out of this early childhood education? And my big argument is, no, we want it to be much richer than that. We want it to be a more multi-sensory experience with sensory being replaced with many different adjectives to describe multi-what. We want to be a multidisciplinary thing where they're looking at the same stuff through different disciplines. We want it to be a thing where we're teaching them how to be human beings and how to have empathy and compassion and care for others and how to serve people and how to lead and how to follow and how to take charge and how to step back and let someone else take charge when it's appropriate. And those are all things that happen in a regular early grade classroom that we want to have continue. What would you add there, Emily? I think when applicable, I think teachers should absolutely be using AI. And whether that means that they take a step back and let the AI do the work or Maybe it's their time to not, they have to decide when it's appropriate to step in and to step back because whether we like it or not, AI is, it's coming, it's here, it's not going anywhere. And our students need to also understand and we're modeling that for them, right? Like we might be thinking aloud, like, hmm, here's the problem. I need to solve it. I'm going to use AI to solve it, right? They need to see us using that. Where I hesitate is there's a differentiation piece in the classroom that if you're a seasoned teacher, you're constantly differentiating. How do we keep the AI up to date every day on where every single one of our students are on all of these concepts? Now, of course, you might have these assessment pieces, whether it be formative or summative, and it can whip up some lesson for you. But on a daily basis, my question is, do the teachers even have time to do that? I think it's difficult to remember what it is like to be in the classroom. And it sounds all like, oh, yay, here's the solution. And it's this shiny little object and it's going to fix everything. But I don't want to discredit teachers for all of what they know and the intel that they have, whether it's on a piece of paper on a data wall or not. We know that they have an incredible amount of information on those students if they are working with them day in and day out. Yeah. And, and again, to that piece, if everything's recorded, then the AI can have that information and maybe even understand it better than a human being can. And 
So there's a lot of potential and opportunity for so many of these challenges to be overcome. And we really need to go back to the question of what is it that we're really trying to teach? If we're really just trying to teach that specific skill and the AI can do it better, then the AI probably should do it. But if we're trying to educate the whole child and have the education be more than that, this reminds me actually of the of technology in the 90s and the early 2000s, where it was like, we saw this technology and we're like, let's just bring it all in. And so many times it was no better than what we were doing before. And that's the big fear that I personally have is that we're going to adopt some of these things and they're not going to be any better than what we were doing before. And we're going to waste a lot of time and energy on that piece. So I think in closing, because we're about ready to wrap up here, what you mentioned already that you think teachers should be using AI, but they have to decide when it's appropriate. What guidance would you give to them about how to know when it's appropriate and when it's not? I was actually thinking about this this morning because as a leader, implementation is incredibly difficult, especially when you have staff that have done things a certain way. And whether they're open to the idea or not, it takes a little bit of time to get them on board with the new thing that you want them to do. So I would just say during those PLCs or when you connect and get together, um, I think in the initial stages, it just has to do, it, it has everything to do with the conversation. Hey, how did you use AI to make your life easier or to guide your instruction or to differentiate or to test your students' reading abilities, whatever that might be, having that conversation in that PLC, it will help teachers to get ideas for different ways to use it. And I think the ones that aren't using it will inevitably be involved in that culture of like, you know, we're, we're, we're using this to make our lives easier. And obviously I think that would have to get more structured as time goes on, but because it's so new and some teachers are incredibly afraid of it, I think having intentional conversations surrounding AI during those team meetings or those moments of connection will definitely help create a culture of we are on board with AI. We're going to continue to use it and we want you to use it. And here are some things that we're doing. How would you like people to reach out to you, Emily? Sure. If you have any additional curiosity on what we do at Education of the Core, you can visit www.educationofthecore.com and you can see all of the things that uh, we do for primary teachers. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for being part of Transformative Principal, Emily. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Jethro. Edited by Gage Sanderson.